Allie is my world and, you know, I'm doing everything I'm doing because of her. I had lost trust in conventional medicine because of seven or eight years ago, she almost died. Podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 23 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you for being with me today. I'm recording this on the 4th of July here in the United States, so if you are celebrating, happy 4th. I have to tell you that I struggle a little bit at this time of year because love my country, but wow, do I hate fireworks. I swear that we must live in the fireworks capital of the United States. And my poor girl, Penny, hates fireworks. She is so incredibly scared to death. She will just start shaking and panting and pacing all around the house and she can't calm down. And we do everything. We're turning up the TV, we're doing CBD, we're doing herbal treatments, we're doing homeopathy. We're wrapping her in a blanket, but then she'll fight you to get out. And Nino, who's usually our more fearful guy, he doesn't even mind the fireworks, but he gets upset seeing her get so upset. And then we just have like 130 pounds of fearful dogs combined. So my husband and I can't really make any kind of plans anytime we know there's going to be a lot of fireworks. And we try to just hunker down either in the living room or on the bed and just get everybody comfortable and try to get everybody in their safe space. And it's just so heartbreaking when you see your dog being upset and you just feel like there's nothing that you can do to help them. And this whole experience was actually making me think of our guest today, Peter Cencarelli from Allie's Canine Crew. When Peter's dog Allie had some ongoing mystery chronic health issues, he was going everywhere looking for help for Allie. Even going to the veterinary hospital and college that was in his town in Massachusetts. And even they kind of told him they didn't know what to do with her. And that he should just be happy that she was as stable as she was with her health issues. But what I really admire about Peter is that that was not good enough for him. He was determined that he was going to get to the root of Allie's problems and he was going to make her thrive, not just survive. So Peter's going to walk us through his experiences with Allie and her ongoing health issues and how he ended up finding Dr. Margot Roman, who is a pioneer and innovator in studying our dog's gut microbiome health. Are you thinking, what? Gut micro what? There are all these tiny microorganisms that live in our digestive tract. These can be tiny little bacteria or viruses or fungi or protozoa 
or other things that we can't even pronounce. And there are some estimates that there are 10 times more organisms in the intestinal tract than total cells in your dog's body. And I just find all of this fascinating. And we're really in the infancy of discovering how to influence microbiome health. But what we do know is that the microbiome is extremely complex and it helps maintain a healthy weight. It helps absorb nutrients, can even affect our mood or our dog's mood or mental health. And 80% of our immune system lives in the digestive tract. This is true for people as well as for our dogs. So when we start seeing health issues like allergies, autoimmune disorders, even cancer, these can all be signs that the microbiome is out of whack or dysbiotic. Some of the things that can contribute to causing dysbiosis would be diet, it can be chemicals in your environment, it could be antibiotics, which happened with my girl Penny and caused a lot of skin issues. So Peter's going to take us through his journey of Allie's health issues and how he was introduced to this concept of microbiome and all the things that he's learned along the way. Back in 2018, Peter started the Allie's Canine Crew Facebook group, and it's free to join. I suggest everybody listening go and join. Peter interviews Dr. Margot Roman on a regular basis. You can even submit questions about your dog's health and have her weigh in on her thoughts and so many other amazing people. And he posts videos all the time of all the innovative things that he's doing to help Allie's health with ozone and diet and herbs and homeopathy. Peter and I are gonna to touch on all these things in our talk today. And we're definitely going to be talking about poop. So let's get started with Peter Shankarelli of Allie's Canine Crew. So I am here today with Peter Shankarelli. Hi, Peter. Hi, how are you? Great. It's great to talk to you. Peter is a dog dad extraordinaire, and I'm really excited for you to hear his story and about his dog, Allie. So, Peter, I always like to start asking people, did you grow up with dogs? Have dogs always been a part of your life, or did that come to you later in life? So that, um, good question. So when I was, when I was a little kid, my, we had a, my family had a golden retriever named Mindy who lived to be 15 years old. Um, I don't really remember much at all about her other than a couple pictures that I, that I had in, um, somewhere and she, that she would, she ate the coffee table and she lived to, she did live to be 15. Um, she had to be helped, but you know, it was, uh, I, and I had a, when my stepfather came, uh, from Canada to, to meet my mom. They met online playing cribbage. They were cribbage partners for a whole year. And uh, he brought his little dog, Buster, who was really the first time I really, you know, connected with a dog and um, remember, you know, clearly. And he, I can't remember what, what age he lived to, but, you know, that was to me the start of it. And then we got Allie a few years later. And uh, really, my stepdad adopted Allie, but she was a handful. And um, I, you know, really connected with her and she just came with me everywhere. So she became my dog. And so what kind of dog is Allie? She's a mixed breed. They, the, the paper said German shepherd mix, but you know, I have done a couple DNA tests on her and it's like mostly undetectable, but oh. <laughs> she's, a cool, she's a cool mix. And what kind of size is she? She's like around 50 pounds. And so you were an adult when she kind of came into your life. Yeah. Yeah. She's been with me like my whole twenties. Um, yeah, my, my whole twenties. I mean, I'm 32. So, and she's 12 and a half. So when I was you know, 19 going on 20 is when we, when we got her, when she was about 18 weeks, eight, eight weeks old. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's an important time to, to have a dog, I feel like, <laughs> during your yeah. 20s. I know, she's been with me through college and transitions and breakups and and jobs and all different things. I mean, 20s are a, can be confusing, you know, rough time for, for, every, for a lot of people. And she was with me through all, all those all those rough times. I never actually had a dog until I was 25 and it was like life-changing, <laughs> life-changing yeah. experience. Yeah. I totally understand that. And so I know you through your Facebook group called Allie's Canine Crew. And I know that she has had a lot of health challenges and you are one of the most extraordinary dedicated dog dads that I've ever seen uh, with all that you do with her health. And that's what I'm really excited for, for people to learn about today. So do you want to start telling me kind of the story of, of how all her health issues started? For sure. Yeah. So, you know, looking back, she's the reason why I am on here with you and my group and you know, also one of the reasons why I'm a, I have a, I have a thriving part-time small dog training. Uh, well, I, I prefer to call it dog teaching and human training. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Well, yeah, she was very, she had a lot of behavioral challenges, you know, such as getting at the dog fights, severe separation anxiety. I mean, she's couldn't be created. She couldn't be left in the house alone. She's chipped off two of her front canines because trying to break out the front door, like really severe anxiety and um just like just so anxious right and so and then on the health side because health and behavior are connected on the health side she was spayed at eight weeks old and you know i i didn't know that was um you know i just thought that that's what you do right that's that she came spayed that's that's that's, that's fine i didn't think anything of it until you know i think it was around several years into her life when she started having severe gi issues um us dog parents, we, we love talking about poop and take pictures and show, hey, what do you think of this one? And and um any dog lover, you'll see a picture of their poop in their phone. So but it, it was it was bad. It, it didn't get any better and, and it was gradually getting worse to like liquid diarrhea to sometimes without blood in it. And I'm like going to the, the vet who is a traditional slash conventional vet. And again, like I just thought that's the vets. Like there's no such thing as traditional and, and holistic and integrative. I didn't know about any of that stuff. So they just had her put, they, they gave her flagell, which is metronidazole antibiotic. And I don't know if it's broad spectrum or not, but it is a um, antibiotic. And it, she was on that for a few years on and off. And they couldn't do anything for her. They would say, like, you know, here's antibiotic, here's um, a medication for her nausea, because she her her stomach would be loud and gurgly, and you could hear it like very clearly. And she'd be anxious about going outside to potty. I mean, to uh, to eat grass and to make herself vomit and to you know have diarrhea. So this was this was for years. You know, probably for between three and five years old. This was just the constant you know vicious cycle. And until they said to me, you know, we don't know what to do anymore. It's GI stuff's very tricky. Go to the hospital, uh, Tufts, they're, you know, very, very well-known Tufts University. And she saw internal medicine and nutrition. Nutrition just basically said, put her on some limited ingredient dry dog food and just keep adding psyllium husk till her stool or, or, or firm. And I did mention raw and they were like, you know, they definitely weren't supportive of that. And, and they told me, I remember very clearly, and I have the emails to prove it, and they quote, don't go down the rabbit hole of doing, just enjoy that she's doing well on what they recommended, and don't go down the rabbit hole of trying to find out better or do better, like exact words. And 
that was from 2015. So I, I mean, I still have those emails saved and I did update them and they were, they were happy to hear that she's doing better, but they couldn't agree with anything we had done, anything I had included, but other stuff as well. And of course I told them who I'm working with, Dr. Margot Roman and, and Tufts University and Margot are not, um, yeah, no, very headbutting. Yeah. Head-butting, yep. <laughs> Um, that's another story. You should have her on your podcast sometime. I'd love to. You know, Allie, she almost died. I mean, after that, one when the hospital said to us, we don't know what's wrong, bring her back if she gets worse, after being there for two days almost on doing, you know, different kinds of tests, include Cushing's disease, they were like, we don't know. So at that point, our only, you know, we were basically given up on, I felt like, and our only option when things went shit at the fan, literally, was to go to the, the ER down the street where you know there's there's really there's really there's really no nothing left for us um i was at this point looking around facebook groups and yahoo yahoo groups and they were still doing that too and i came across some fresh feeders and they told me about feeding fresh foods and raw and all that and and I, i i was experimenting with that and i definitely saw an improvement and she was doing better for a few weeks but then that was the honeymoon phase right so then she went downhill again and really, to sum it up, make a long story short, she has severe IBD or whatever. And, and, and I never officially diagnosed it because, you know, via en- endoscopy, but um, I think that's the right word. Because at that point, I think I knew what she had based on talking to people. And I felt like I'm not going to put her through that. I'm just going to treat her as if she had it. And I found a holistic vet and we worked together on her gut, you know, restoring, repairing, healing her gut microbiome, you know, because her, her, she had leaky gut and lots of food intolerances as a result. I couldn't handle a lot of proteins and things like that. So she needed a very, 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 very simple diet, right? Um, and then it was almost like an elimination diet. We were doing that. And then we started repairing her gut. And lo and behold, she got better. That Okay, I'll stop there in case you want to ask me any questions. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, the things that you're touching on is something that I have also learned sort of the hard way with my own dog's health issues is that as pet parents, it's like we have to give ourselves permission to look elsewhere when what the vet down the street tells us isn't working. And I feel like that's really scary sometimes for, for a lot of people because like, you know, I'm not a vet, I'm doing what the doctor told me. And it's like, if that's not working, it's a little scary to have to be like, okay, I got to figure something else out. And what do I do? Cause I'm not a vet. I don't know where to go. And so I feel like we have to kind of give ourselves this permission of like, I have to keep looking to find the right answers for my dog. Right. So I know you work with Dr. Margot Roman, who is renowned. And I, I don't know if it's accurate to say she invented the whole idea of fecal mi- microbiome transplant, but I certainly associate her with that. I know you're in Massachusetts. Did it just work out? She's, you know, right down the street from you. <laughs> yeah. I think after I left the ER at some point I was doing research and I found a holistic vet you know there's several in the area and there's probably a lot more than I know of because that's how I found Margo was I went to a holistic vet and I I remember telling them look like my dog's very sick Um, I am not going to give her a rabies vaccine and I was very adamant in like you know telling her this is what I want and but at the same time I needed her help like with the GI stuff and the immune system and she agreed to see me as a patient her as a patient um, us and yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it was better than the traditional vet, but it still wasn't a good match client vet match. And I, I was asking a lot of questions and I was, I was really, 
you know, I wanted more. She was very good, but I wanted more. And we, I didn't feel like we were a good fit. And she probably felt the same way. Um, and that's no hard feelings. But So I eventually found Margot by doing a Google search. And I made an appointment. And, I mean, um, my ex and I had, like, four dogs at the time. So Allie wasn't the priority. Like, we also had a shepherd that was very sick. And we had a, you know, we also had a border collie and a border collie puppy. So we had a lot going on. A lot of dogs, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, and Allie wasn't the main priority. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I wish... I, I regret that, but um, we did ultimately when you know obviously when we when we broke up, you know I one of the one of the ways I got over that heartbreak was, oh my gosh, my dog is sick, and she needs me to help her get better, and that's where I put all that energy, you know. So she so she she helped me with that heartbreak, and it was around that time. Now I don't know if it was a coincidence coincidence that she took a decline after the breakup. You know what I mean? Almost like she had to be strong for me. And then as soon as it was over, she was like, she went a little bit downhill. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I I do hear stories of that, like how people have two dogs and one has cancer and one is seemingly healthy. And when the one that has cancer passes away, the other's like an immediate like decline with the other dog. It's strange. It's strange. And I'd love to do more um, research and talk to people on that issue. But so Allie, we went to Margot. You know, and she felt strongly that Allie had Plechner syndrome, which is a immune endocrine imbalance. And it's, you know, part of it is from dogs being spayed so young. But, you know, like Allie was at eight weeks old, but just the, they call it the, uh, he, Dr. Plechner calls it the medical ice age. So just in general, our, our planet is toxic. Our soil, you know, sprayed with Roundup and glyphosate in, in the food chain. I mean, the food, food's tainted. It's got, you know, meat with antibiotics and added hormones. And um, the water supply is not, totally clean and and just the the air everything is we're like we're killing the planet and the animals that are on it and that's essentially why Plechner thinks this whole thing is going on and I'm totally a believer in that but when she first brought it up to me I was like no 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 I'm not doing this $300 test I just want the fecal transplant I just want what I want and I went home and one night, you know, uh, one day the, um, the, the daycare staff, cause she, we, uh, we, we take her to daycare. The daycare staff, um, called me and said, you know, she's just leaking everywhere. You know, she's just, she's very relaxed, but she's, she, when she gets up, we notice there's like a puddle of urine every place she goes. And so I called Margot about it and she's like, I think we need to do the Plechner test again. And that's when we found out that, and by the way, you know, she has a history of mast cell cancer. 2015, she had stage one mast cell tumor and it was removed. And, and you know, that Plechner and cancer and allergies and all this stuff, it all coincides, you know. So it's it's uh, it's really we're destroying our planet and our animals. So flea and tick poisons, the food, everything, the all over, over, vac- over vaccines, over vaccinations, um, over use of antibiotics. And I'm not saying those things aren't necessary, vaccines and antibiotics. There is a time and place. Like Allie hadn't gotten an antibiotic for seven years, but two weeks ago she had to get an antibiotic because and maybe if we had caught the issue, the UTI earlier, it w- we wouldn't have had to use an antibiotic if we had treated it homeopathically and, and holistically and all this stuff. But it went on way too long and it, she needed the antibiotic but I had a beautiful integrative approach where, you know, antibiotic five hours later, microbiome fecal transplant, antibiotic five hours later, microbiome fecal transplant. That way she's not just antibiotic, 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 and then she's negative 12. If you think about it as a number line where we end up at zero and then we give her another fecal transplant to restore the damage, if that makes sense. But it's, um, this time and place, this time, but I had lost trust in conventional medicine 
because of seven or eight years ago, she almost died. I feel like as a, as a result of, um, of, of that. So I was very distrustful and for me to do the antibiotic, I, I knew at that point it was the right thing to do, but I was really, um, scared, you know, because I'm like, you know, being pulled in two different directions, but there is a time and place. You know, what's interesting with my girl Penny here, I had first found out about the animal biome testing, which is like a kit where you can take a poop sample and send it out and they will tell you what your dog's, you know, gut health looks like, whether it has good bacteria, bad bacteria. I had found out about this at the beginning of 2019, I think. And I it was just like, hey, just for the heck of it, I'm going to send this out and see what happens. And it came back and it wasn't great, but I just kind of didn't know what to do with the results. Well, in 2019, Penny ended up having issues with UTI, and the first antibiotic that they put her on was not the right one, but we didn't realize that at the time. So it ended up coming back, like, almost as soon as we finished the course of antibiotics. Anyway, she ended up having to be on, like, three different courses of antibiotics. Wow. Six months later, she starts having all these skin issues, and I can't get the skin issues under control. And they gave her more antibiotics for the skin issues. And I finally decided, okay, this isn't working. I need to find. And, and I was going to a vet that has holistic in their name. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, I need to find another approach. I ended up finding another vet at the beginning of 2020. Immediately, we send out an animal biome because she is really. Um, you know, likes to use those, um, especially, you know, with a new client and oh my God, like it was like the worst <laughs> results you've ever seen. And we were able to compare it with the test I had done the previous year. And it's like, what happened? You know, she had four courses of antibiotics in that year. And, you know, it's like, you could see there was like one ratio that they give you of like good to bad bacteria. And her ratio was like 1800 to one of bad to good. And so I literally have like, you know, have this like physical proof of like what all these, and, and we feed raw and they get answers, goat milk every day and fish stock. And, you know, it's like, we're doing all the things that we thought we should be doing. And, and it still caused such a dramatic, you know, result with her. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just find it all very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, that's something that I hear all the time is, and, and the, I love animal biome. I love that we have a company like animal biome because it shows that things are heading in the right direction. And although we're still in the infancy, as Margo says, of all this microbiome, because we really don't know the full extent of what's in the, the gut microbiome, right? Um, most probiotics and have like 14 strains, right? Um, a health, you know, in the human microbiome, there could be 500, 500 species, a thousand subspecies, like Mar as Margo says. And, um, and, you know, so a, a poop would be like the most complete, like probiotic and it's what it's what they what's what they do in nature they self-medicate they've been doing that since the beginning of they, that they've been on earth um but because of the animals and the, and the planet being toxic and our dogs being toxic because they're eating dry foods and they're eating getting over vaccinated and all that stuff their poop is toxic so they're going to eat the poop of other animals that are toxic and it's not giving them the relief they need so they're trying to say to their owners, um, my, my gut is, you know, I need, I have an imbalance. I need to, I need to recti I need to rectify that by doing what I as a species know to do, right. By eating the scat of other animals. But that, that scat, that poop is not a healthy poop. It is a, a, from an animal who's not eating a good, uh, you know, eating a toxic diet, 
in there. You know what I mean? Has had multiple rounds of antibiotics, um, heartworm pesticides, which is an intestinal antibiotic, um, flea and tick poisons, and and just it's not healthy, and it doesn't make the, it doesn't make the problem any better. Um, it some, a lot of times makes it worse. So when you direct an animal to a healthy feces, then that's where you can see a big a big change. Um, Animal Biome uses a test called 16S. So it only the test only shows 16 species or strains in the dog's poop or gut that are within balance or not in balance. It doesn't show you everything else. So it, again, we're just in the infancy. It's not everything, and it definitely is great to have it because it, it, it's it's information that you didn't have before, and. And it could it could show you something, and it might not. And I know that there's now there's now a test called My Dog M I D M I D O G that tests for a thousand strains. And um, My Dog, it's not a company like Animal Biome, right? But it is it can be used like Animal Biome, and um, it's a very expensive machine. Um, and I know Animal Biome is a very small startup company, and having that kind of money it's 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 difficult but they're doing what they can do and i think that it's only going to get better and better and better over time um and again i love animal biome and i love what they're doing um their donors they have a raw donor and a standard donor and the raw donors um the standard donors are kibble fed and the raw donors are raw fed or fresh food but still they're not the quality as margo's donors like five years 27 generations never had antibiotics they could have antibiotics within six months of being a donor so you know, they can't tell their donors what vaccines to have. So it, and all that makes a big difference in how the dog responds to the fecal transplant. So, but Margo's dogs are eating a plant-based diet, 93% plant-based, right? And there's a lot of people that say that you don't feed dogs plants, you feed them, well, you, you can, but mostly predominantly meat. So there's the whole question of how, you know, how will a dog respond to that? Um, I haven't seen any, I've only seen positive results with Ellie. You know, um, I think the, what they eat, their diet is important. And I would love to see, let's just say Karen Becker, you know, Karen Becker. Of course. I would love it. I don't know if she has a dog because she's so busy and she does a lot of traveling, but I would love if she had her dogs, her dog as a donor, that, that would be incredible. You know, right? I know Rodney is, Habib is using his dog Shuby as a donor to local people that need it through his vet. Yeah. Our vet actually uses her own dogs. Awesome. It's probably not quite as Dr. Roman, but, <laughs> but she does test regularly. That's awesome. So let's talk about the whole idea of fecal microbiome transplant for anybody who's not familiar with that. I always describe it to people as it's basically like a poop enema <laughs> for yeah, your dog. It is, yeah. And so you're actually getting healthy poop from Dr. Roman's dogs and and you do it yourself. I have my vet do it, but you kind of make this slurry for lack of a better word and then administer it to your dog as like an enema. And then the healthy bacteria from the healthy poop helps populate their gut biome with healthy stuff. Am I describing that yeah, appropriately? Absolutely. absolutely. So um, for sure, you, you described it perfectly. So the a dog that has been given antibiotics for multiple rounds of antibiotics or pesticides or eating a bad di- kibble diet or whatever or you know processed food um has a bad gut and so you know especially if they have cancer any dog that walks into margo's clinic pretty much gets a fecal transplant especially if she's on the case you know if they're going to her and not one of the other vets there but um you know it restores the gut the dog's microbiome the gut microbiome is 80 percent of the immune system so if you have cancer and cancer is immune system or downed weakened dysfunctioned confused immune system 
and you have the ability to give a dog a new microbiome, gut microbiome, which is 80% of the immune system, now your dog has stronger legs to stand on. So any therapy, chemotherapy, there was a study done in humans that immunotherapy non-responders were turned to responders after getting a fecal transplant for humans. So the gut communicates with everything in the body, the brain, everything. You know, so it's one of the things that, you know, Allie was in it for a fecal transplant on, uh, yes, yesterday she got a fecal transplant at the clinic because she was, she was off her antibiotics on Tuesday and she got a fecal transplant on Wednesday, um, on Thursday. She has now kidney disease and there is such a thing as the gut kidney access, just like there's the gut brain access. The gut communicates also with the kidney. So if she's in kidney, if she's in kidney failure, I need to make sure that her gut is in tip-top shape so the two can communicate with each other. And she also has some hind and weakness, IVDD, so she's losing a little bit of feeling in one of her paws, so she's, you know, it, it, it could end in paralysis. Um, but I want to make sure, again, that the gut is in tip-top shape. So getting that fecal transplant, and she actually, you want the dog to hold on to the transplant is until the very next morning. She, I had to let her, I fell asleep early, I had to let her out at 2 in the morning, and she pooped. So she held the transplant from probably about three, two thirty, three o'clock to two in the morning, which isn't bad. It, it's not bad. Um, I would have loved to have had her held it longer. Her poop, her poop was good, um, but it also was good to begin with because I was giving her some poop during her antibiotic course treatment. So, I, and if I wasn't, then she might have had like blowout diarrhea. Um, but I think I made by that antibiotic course with minimal discomfort, GI discomfort, because of that. Um, protocol giving it five hours after even though that poop was going to be canceled up by the next round of antibiotics it was it was supporting her during the course of it right so the and now that she's had her fecal transplant she may go back for another one in a few weeks maybe i don't I haven't decided i could also give one a home i know how to do it um it's messy and i don't like to do it um but and it doesn't you know who wants to do that in their kitchen where they eat so so but i'm i am giving her poop that's they're a little frozen raw poop nuggets from dr roman's dog and they're in there in the freezer and i take a one piece out and she eats it like a piece of can like a piece of uh, a treat and i'll put some in my palm and she'll eat it out of my palm um and that's she's doing that on her own so i think she you know so um you're doing that at once a day for a while um really i mean you could be once a week twice a week but she's uh i feel good about giving that to her because i know that it's better really than any probiotic on the market it is it's a uh, healthy donor stool and it's supporting her gut and her immune system in the best way possible. Kind of like animal biome is doing. And so for anybody who's dealing with a dog, whether it's, you know, like you said, allergies, cancer, autoimmune, um, I think the gut health is a piece that gets overlooked a lot by conventional medicine. I always say the vet down the street because that's where we went for a long time with our previous dogs that both passed away of cancer. And then, you know, we kind of I always feel like we have to learn the hard way, or at least I do that, you know, I want to do something different or, you know, go moving forward. But yeah, I feel like the gut health is, is a thing that, that conventional medicine isn't looking at currently and where we have to decide for ourselves, like, okay, if this isn't working, I need to go look for another vet that, that looks at this other. So if we don't happen to live in Massachusetts near Dr. Margaret Roman is looking on the American holistic vet association, a good way to find a vet that does this or how, how should people look for, for somebody that does this in their area or do they do the DIY route and join Allie's 
canine crew on Facebook and learn how to do it themselves? So, no, that's a, that's a good question and a loaded question. But I, I want to, I think it's very important that you ask that because unfortunately on the ahvma.org website, MBRT, which is the acronym for microbiome restorative therapy, because it's not just a fecal transplant. It is you're prepping the terrain. So before Margot does a transplant, if you're feeding kibble, the transplant's going to not be able to be effective, right? Because you're just going to harm it with the processed food the next time you feed your dog. So you want to make sure your dog is being, you know, homeopathically detoxed from vaccines prior to that in their prior, in their prior uh, health history. You're also, you know, making sure your dog's on a good diet, right? A healthy homemade commercial or commercially prepared diet. Um, you're, you're really making sure the, your dog's in the optimal state to be able to receive the fecal transplant, right? So that might be, you know, there's a supplement out there called Ion Biome, I-O-N-B-I-O-M-E. And that is a tasteless liquid. You can, you shake it up and you add a teaspoon to your dog's water or their water dish. Typically, I think that's the amount. It depends on the, might depend on the dog's weight. And that's not what I'm trying to do here, but you, what it does is it, it, it restores the tight junction of your dog, your dog's gut lining. So when their gut's leaky, it's like a big fish net, right? And you want to make it like, you know, sealed. So that's what that does. And what it is, it's really humic and fulvic acid, which is the dog's, which is healthy soil. And that's the dog's ancestral environment. When they were not domesticated, they were like sleeping in dirt dens. They were chasing and killing their prey and it was covered in dirt from the chase. And they were getting those healthy soil microbes all over their paws, their tails, their bodies, licking it off. And in a, in a gram of healthy soil, this is said by Steve Brown, who's, who's um, conducting right now. Um, it's very fascinating. The canine healthy soil project um, it is there's a t- anywhere between 10,000 and 1,000 species of, of microbes and uh, 10,000 to 100,000 species of microbes in a gram of healthy soil. So dogs are missing their ancestral microbes today because puppies are, you know, spayed and neutered to eight weeks old. They're, in, 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 they're not always birthed by va- the vaginal biome. They're birth via C-section and they're missing the mom's vaginal gulp. So they're at a disadvantage there, immune system-wise. They're spayed and neutered young. They're automatically dewormed, even if they don't have worms. Um, They're fed a processed diet. They're fed tap water. They're in a home that's sterile. Not that your home should be dirty, but they're in a crate and maybe they have a pee accident. You take them out, you spray it with chemicals, you put them back in, and they're getting that into their system and their bloodstream. And Hello, cancer. So dogs today are so Margot when her when when she has puppies, not herself but her dogs, <laughs> don't you hope she's not listening. Um, when Margot has puppies, she feeds sometimes she'll feed her dogs bones, raw meaty bones in the dirt. And she'll feed them their food outside because it's not sprayed, it's organic soil, organic she lives in the woods. So they can do that. Um, and you're repopulating their gut with the ancestral microbes. So before a fecal transplant, long story short, you have to prep the terrain. So good diet, detox, you know, help restore the gut lining, things like that with, with the appropriate supplementations. Maybe give the dog colostrum because if they're immune deficient, colostrum can help to raise immunoglobulins. Um, these are all things that she does to support the dog's health and immune system. And then comes the fecal transplant and give that dog the boost that they need to kickstart their their uh, immune system and to drive and get better. Um, so it's more than just a fecal transplant. It's really a whole process. And uh, the reason why the hospitals around here... 
I, I, this is not a, this is just what I've heard. But you know, I, when I told my old conventional vet um, about what I did for Allie with the fecal transplant, he was like, "Yeah, it doesn't work. I did it." And Margot said their donors are eating science diet hills, dry food. So it goes to show you that you know a dog that's not well and eating processed food and getting all that crap is not going to be you're not going to get the same results as if it's from a healthy dog intact you know generation after generation after generation that's how we're going to solve cancer is by breeding healthy dogs you know because right now the offspring are just becoming weaker and i'm not saying don't go out and adopt a shelter dog because that's you know probably what i'm going to do when Allie's when when it's her time comes is is adopt a shelter dog that's probably going to be sick the problem is we're killing the planet and the dogs that are on and the animals it sounds overwhelming, I think, to a lot of people. <laughs> it does. And this, people are probably, yeah, oh, it definitely is overwhelming. It definitely is. But it can't be, it's overwhelming, but it can't be ignored. Absolutely. It can't be ignored. I, and I think that, you know, it, you, you have to just focus, if you're going to focus on one thing, if I want anyone to take away, like, what is your animal eating? You know, are they on a, a, a fresh diet? Are they on a real food? You know, um, you doesn't have to spend a fortune. There's lots of options out there good better best you know um diy raw has been has been you know named one of the most dangerous diets you can feed your dog if they are if it's not balanced especially balanced over time you know so it's not it's not just feeding your dog ground beef and carrots or white rice right you can do a lot of damage doing that over time you know there are some dogs with ibd that can't have and i know a few of them that can't eat anything other than boneless ground emu you know, um, and they've been doing that for a few years and because their, their guts have damaged, been damaged so bad that fecal transplants and things like that haven't, even though they have helped a lot, it, it wasn't to a point where, you know, they can now eat a, you know, all this variety and stuff like they're still very fragile. So, you know, every animal is different, but the first thing is all, the number one should always be the diet, change the diet. So do you have a background in science or biology that makes you, you know, fluent in this language that we're speaking? Or is this something like for me, I was a sociology major in college. <laughs> I am all self-taught on, on all this kind of stuff. And I was curious about your background. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just, a, I'm just, you know, been a dog dad for 12 and a half years and um, learned by experience, like a lot of, a lot of most of us are. And um, no, I, I'm actually a special ed teacher. I've been working with kids who have autism for about close to 10 years now. And I have a part-time part -time dog training business. Mainly I work with kids, you know, on the autism spectrum. And, and Allie is my world. And, you know, I'm doing everything I'm doing because of her. Oh, I totally get that. I, I've, I am also, I'm also self-taught in all these things. <laughs> and one other thing that I, I thought I've heard you mentioned before with everything that you've learned with with ali has that impacted how you take care of your own health and your own diet yeah i think that not everyone i think it probably could be a lot better to be honest well it could all it could all well, be better. yeah exactly but um because you gotta you gotta enjoy life and you gotta live life you know and enjoy yourself but it's important it definitely has it definitely has um impacted me like you know what i put in my body um the kind of health care that i that i choose to, 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 to use, I do the best I can, you know, I, I do, you know, still, you know, conventional medicine, you know, I was on prednisone a few months ago. Um, I was miserable. I didn't want to, I didn't want to take it, but I was also, you know, I, I was also detoxing myself before, you know, during and after with the same product they give Allie liver tonic, you know, it's got dandelion milk thistle and 
double dosing myself and you know did it do much i don't know but it couldn't have hurt to help give my organs a break and you know help for for supporting them and detoxing them during that time and after so i try to there's a lot of things that she takes that i take as well homeopathic remedies um i've seen a dramatic improvement with her um myself sometimes i'm really not really sure if i have but you know i'm still i'm always trying i'm still learning and how to how to do how to do better for myself as well um and that's because of her yeah, I I uh I have gone through my own weird health issues while I've gone through my dog's weird health issues and it, I just always think it's interesting how I'm always like learning all these things. All these things I didn't learn in school, that's for sure. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to share about what's going on with Allie right now? I I know she's had some challenges lately and I actually got really emotional uh listening to you on Facebook um and just about how while we do our best for our dogs, you know, sometimes we still end up in these situations that we weren't expecting with their health. And, and, you know, and I think you had talked about like, not, you know, not blaming ourselves and we have to forgive ourselves. And, and those are things that, that really just touched me that I've had to deal with also. So I didn't know if you'd be okay talking about that here. Yeah. It's been, it's been a hell of a two months. We have, she hasn't been well for really like two, two and a half months. And, um, you know, we, I was trying to be on top of it and thinking, you know, oh, the first sign for her was, um, well, she had been peeing like everywhere. And, um, you know, because of her issues, like being spayed early and with Plechner syndrome, which incontinence can be part of and being an older dog with early spay can happen. And, 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 you know, but still like, you know, I, there were signs like her peeing everywhere and, um, peeing constantly on walks. And these are signs that are classic for UTI and, you know, I'm, I wasn't paying attention like I should have. I, I was, but I wasn't really paying attention like I should have and alerting my vet of certain things like her licking herself constantly. Um, we were, we were, my vet and I are always in contact, like almost daily Margo and I are talking and I keep her, I have a lot of eyes on Allie. So it wasn't like I was being negligent. I know that's not what you're, you're saying or any, anyone's thinking of that, but um, I do feel bad that I wasn't on top of it, like I should have been, like I, I was, but I, I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how I, and that's the part I struggle with that. I, I feel like that if I had just only gotten that, you know, said something about that, we, this the whole thing may never happened. You know, she wouldn't have been hospitalized. She wouldn't be in kidney failure. She wouldn't have had to been on antibiotics, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, it all happens it's just, you can't dwell on it. And because it doesn't do anything to help Allie, if I sit in bed and I'm depressed and I dwell on it and I, and I can't get out of that funk and I can't move forward to help her, like I have to help her. So while she's in the hospital, I'm like going to Walmart, buying, buying rugs and runners and yoga mats. And I'm just lining my apartment with them because she, I have hardwood floors and I want to make it safe. So she doesn't slip and fall because during that two months, the UTI caused her to be have hind end weakness, have pain, and dogs are good at compensating, and she was slipping and falling. And here we are going to the chiropractor sometimes twice, three times a week to fix that and, um, you know, going to the vet for um, IV ozone because the first, the noticeable sign was when she, when I came home from work and she looked like death and she had a fever and we brought her into the hospital, uh, not a hospital, Margo's for IV ozone and um it helped but we noticed that was when we noticed she had a kidney issue and we're like why does she have this kidney issue you know could it have been she drank from contaminated pond water or so we're, we're dealing with that and my whole mind's on kidneys 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 and not uti and then she fell one day and she couldn't get up this was a couple of sundays ago and um 
that's when the ER that she was had to be hospitalized and it turned out to be a UTI. And, you know, like I said, like, I'm just feel like awful because of this whole thing that it had to come to that. Um, but she's okay. She's feeling good. You know, she's feeling a lot better and we're dealing with, you know, the kidney stuff, which we got a great plan, but also equally as, as, um, equally as important, as important as the IVDD, the in intervertebral disc disease, you know, she's losing some feeling in one of her back paws. Um, I have to be very careful that she doesn't slip because if she slips, she could traumatize herself again and could paralyze her. So I'm, I'm trying to get her into rehab and I'm trying to, you know, look into getting her to the neurologist to see what they can do, you know, but I, I have to consider her quality of life too. And what I'm willing to put her through, I don't want her, uh, you know, I, it, it's just, it's a lot. So I'm trying to, uh, right now she's just laying on her dog bed and she just got some red light therapy on her hind end. And, uh, yeah, we, a lot going on, but it, it's, yeah. um, it, it's still, she's still teaching me. She's still teaching me. And I want, and I, I didn't say anything almost for almost two weeks about what was going on because I was still in the thick of it. It was very emotional. It was hard for me to talk about because I'd be, I would break down and, yeah. you know, I don't want everyone to have to see that. And, you know, also, you know, she, I want to make sure that I'm not going, I have so many people that I'm talking to because I have a, I have a, you know, a bunch of friends I met online that are a good support group that have challenging dogs themselves and are very, very um, educated and smart and helping me. One of them met me at the hospital and spent the entire day with me. You know, she lived nearby. Um, that's that's probably, amazing. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people like, you know, I've spoken to Karen Becker, I've spoken to Julianne Lee, I've spoken to, you know, it pretty much this dog has the best of the best on her team. Yeah. I mean, this is like the dream team of right, veterinarians. Right. Your name right. And, I, and all because like I decided one day to put my face out there and to educate others on my experience with Allie and her story. And, you know, people just would, would just naturally like kind of gravitate towards me, ask me for suggestions and advice and help and support and more, you know, and it just kind of sprout and it, it blew up. So I am able, like, I've just made amazing friends and you can still, you can do that. Anybody can do that. You know, I, I, I just re all they can say is no. I reached out to Julianne Lee one day, said, Hey, you know, I want to interview you. And she responded and was like, yeah. And that was the start of our friendship. So anybody can do that. Anybody can. So put your face out there, you know, fight for your dogs, fight for yourself. And, um, you know, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> I love what you're doing in the Facebook group. I love anything that gets the word out about these types of treatments for our dog that, you know, you're not going to hear about from every veterinarian. And and I think it's important to, you know, empower ourselves and give ourselves permission to keep looking when things aren't working for our dog. I had a dog, um, our first dog, Lucy, uh, she's a dog that made me fall in love with dogs. Oh. And she had this mystery illness and, and she was having um, these like tremors and she would fall over. And she ended up being diagnosed with something called canine insulinoma, which is this very rare form of cancer that affects the pancreas and it makes it overproduce insulin, which drives down the blood sugar. So it's kind of like the opposite of diabetes. And it was making her have like these seizures and it could have been caught if somebody had looked at what her blood sugar number was <laughs> in her blood work. And for like three months, we were having cardiac workups and neurological workups and all these things done. And she's still having seizures. And I have to video them because my vet was talking to me as if I didn't know what a seizure was. Right. And, you know, cause he's like not believing 
like the symptoms that I'm describing don't make sense to him and all, all these things. And we ended up going to a holistic vet. And I, something I always like to tell people about that they don't always know is you can get copies of your vet records. Um, you know, we usually just go home with like this receipt that has all of the charges that we don't want to remember, but we don't sometimes get like the important records, like their blood work or their things like that. And so our holistic vet ended up finding that, oh, three months ago, she had this really low blood sugar reading and nobody ever kind of followed up on that. And that led to us getting like the proper diagnosis. And so that was kind of like our hard lesson in learning that like, oh, I'm sure this vet is great. He's been in business for a long time, but I want something different and more thorough for, you know, for our dogs. And, and, you know, I, even though we've been going here for 10 years, like this is no longer the way that we want to care for our animals and, you know, thinking outside the box. Oh, and he called me a witch doctor. That was the other reason I left the practice. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But I feel like it takes like, um, it takes an element of almost like courage or bravery, or at least for me, it did to feel like I could say, I'm not going to listen to this guy that has the degree. I'm going to go do something else, you know? And so I guess I just like to, you know, hear, hear stories from people who, you know, who've done that also. Yeah. I mean, when, when Allie was in the ER recently, you know, a couple of weeks ago, almost she, you know, I, I was nervous, you know, because I, I had brought her food in, you know, and then she didn't eat, she probably ate three quarters of it. And they, they, they started feeding her Hills science diet. And I had said, you know, I had to, so they needed my consent for approval on certain things. Like I approved gabapentin, but I said to them, anything else, like any other drugs, like don't give her any vaccines, any, any other drugs besides gabapentin, please call me immediately and get my approval and I'll discuss it with them. Um, Hills is considered a prescription. It's not, I mean, it's corn prescription corn, but it's, it's still considered a prescription. And and she has a history of IBD and that could have caused her to have a flare up, you know, and that could, and that could have been very messy. When I told them that, I think that they're, this is not an anti-vet. Like I love that to love that. Right. But, right. but I, I was asking questions. I was advocating. Margo was also asking questions and advocating and we, you know, we, they weren't the super friendliest and, um, I get that they have to have a wall up because they have to protect themselves too, but I have to also protect my dog and, and advocate for her as well. You have to ask for blood work. You have to ask for all, you know, have everything emailed to you, share it with your vet, have a binder of things, just add to, yes. it. you know, um, you know, anytime you watch a Facebook live and you want to take notes or something, throw it in your binder, you know, um, yes. just things like that. I'm not very organized when it comes to her at this point. It's like, it would be an impossible feat, but all the recent stuff I have in my phone in a certain spot and I can access it very quickly. Um, you know, get second opinions. If your gut's telling you something's yes. not right. Um, I like to, ha- I know it's not possible for everybody. I have three jobs, but I, I work with, if you're holistically minded or you want to have a more natural lifestyle approach with your dog, you know, right now I have a, an herbalist, Rita Hogan, I have, she's helping me with the herbs on, you know, we got her on nettle seed and nettle seed tincture um, and dried nettle. Again, this is like the dream team of, of yeah, veterinary. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, and, and, and Rita is very affordable too. She's anybody, I feel like anybody could consult with her. You know, some holistic vets want to charge four or 500 bucks for a con- for an hour consult. Rita is very, very, very affordable and she's awesome. So canine herbalist, Rita Hogan, check her out, canineherbalist.com. 
I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. Oh, awesome. And also Andrea Ring. Andrea is my home animal homeopath. She's human homeopathy too. And, you know, we've got a beautiful homeopathic protocol, a nice herbal protocol, a nice diet um, using food energetics, um, a nice, you know, kidney friendly diet. Um, so you can, you can kind of bring people, you don't have to have the perfect holistic vet five minutes from you. You know, you might have to drive an hour, hour and a half, you know, maybe you see your conventional vet for the, like the blood work and stuff like that. And then for like, you know, serious stuff, you consult with your holistic vet. If that's more what you want to do, you have somebody there, um, and you work with, work with people online, virtual, virtually, you know, you might have to assemble your own team. That's what I'm doing. Even though I have Margot, I still want to have more people on my team, you know, because she's busy and she's got all these people to care for as well. And she can't spend two or three hours on me discussing homeopathy and um, put, putting together a custom homeopathic approach for me. I, she wasn't offended that, I, that I'm using a homeopath. She thought that was amazing. Um, and any vet that gets offended or has an ego like that, I think that's a red flag and you know, I, they, you want a vet that's going to be open-minded and supportive, yes. you know, and work with you. So yeah, I think these are all such important things. Absolutely. Everybody just hang tight and, you know, keep, keep up the fight. Well, thank you so much for your time, Peter. I really appreciate you know, hearing more about you and hearing more about Ali's story. And uh, we're certainly all be joining Ali's canine crew and, and watching your videos and learning from you. And thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me. so grateful to Peter for his time and for sharing his story and Allie's story with us. When I reached out to him to set up the interview, I wasn't aware and he hadn't yet publicly shared yet about how serious Allie's health issues are currently. So I really thank him for taking the time to be with us. I'm always endlessly amazed and quite frankly inspired by the lengths that we pet owners have to go through sometimes to get the right answers for our dogs or to be able to take care of their health issues. We almost have to become experts on our dog's health issues. I know this has been true in my life, especially with my dog Lucy, who had the insulinoma, and now Penny, who's gone through these like allergy and autoimmune issues. And we've had to do a lot of the treatments with Penny that Peter and I discussed with ozone and with the fecal microbiome transplants. And it worked. It wasn't overnight, but it worked. One of the things that I love and that inspired me to start this podcast is seeing how the love of our dogs can take us in so many different directions. For some people, they start dealing with their dog's behavioral issue and decide to become a dog trainer. Other people start volunteering in their community and, and decide to quit their corporate job and start a nonprofit organization. One of our guests had her dog stolen from her home and ended up deciding to start a nonprofit to provide free microchipping for people who can't afford it in Baltimore. And here we have Peter, who was so inspired by what he was going through with Ali's health that he decided to start this Facebook group to spread the word about these amazing innovative treatments that are out there to help our dogs that not every veterinarian can do or is telling you about. And I think one thing that unites all of us is that we want our dogs to live a long, healthy life with us. And so that was why it was important to me to have Peter on to share his story. Here's some takeaways from my conversation with Peter. Number one, diet is the most important change that you can make for your dog's health. Number two, 
Don't be afraid to get a second opinion or to look for a vet who has more tools in their toolbox, whether it's acupuncture, herbs, ozone, chiropractic. I'll have links in the show notes to where you can find information on finding practitioners like this in your area. Number three, don't be afraid to ask questions and be an advocate for your dog's health, even when it makes you uncomfortable. Number four, if you're dealing with your dog's health issues and you haven't gotten the answers that you need and your dog is still suffering, don't give up. Number five, if you don't have the perfect holistic vet five minutes down the street from you, then you're going to have to build your dog's wellness team. Whether this means being open to driving a little farther or being open to virtual consults with amazing practitioners who are available online, or even if it means joining Ali's Canine Crew Facebook group so you can get an idea and find out more information about these treatments. Number six, make sure you get copies of your dog's vet records and blood work results, not just a copy of the receipt with all your charges. This is especially important when you're dealing with a chronic health issue with your dog. And number seven, if you're dealing with a chronic allergy or autoimmune or cancer or other health issue with your dog and your current vet is not giving you the results that you want, then consider this your permission slip, permission granted, to start looking outside the box and to start looking for practitioners who are going to look at your dog's gut microbiome health. I'm going to have tons of links in the show notes for you today where you can find information about all the topics that Peter and I talked about. I'll try to be very organized with it. And also make sure that you join Allie's Canine Crew on Facebook. Peter posts tons of videos. He brings in amazing guest experts who you can ask questions to. He's really doing an amazing, generous thing, and I really admire the work that he's doing. And even if none of these topics apply to you and your dog's health right now, make sure you save it for future reference or share it with a friend who's struggling with their dog's health. And if this was helpful to you at all, I certainly appreciate if you'd leave a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes. Your ratings and reviews help more people find the show, and I read every single one of them. If there's anything I can do or any questions that I can answer about anything that we talked about today, please feel free to reach out. You can email me, Erin, E-R-I-N, at BelieveInDogPodcast.com, or you can send me a direct message on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast or Instagram, Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores. So until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. 